Okay, so this morning, um, we, are, we are wrapping up. Um, we are family. Let me just say this. Um, heading into the holiday season, we're going to do a series over the holidays called Like a Child. It's going to be fantastic. Um, we're going to kick it off the Sunday after Thanksgiving. And Eugene's going to be preaching that, that message. He's going to be the leadoff hitter because Eugene is awesome. If you haven't heard Eugene preach, you've missed out. Like, I'm a boring vanilla preacher, and Eugene, Eugene's like the man, right? Like, I always want to, I want to, he is, he's good. You can clap louder, maybe they'll actually join in, I don't know, but. <laughs> Eugene just has this way of bringing the thunder, right? And then, and I just rain, that's all I do, it's just rain. Um, but he's going to kick it off, and it's going to be great. And here's why I'm telling you that, because whether you know it or not, I think, it, I think it's as high as 85% of people that don't attend church say that they would attend church if somebody would ask them to go to church. 85%. I mean, there's a lot of people that would love to go, but they don't go because nobody asked them. And the holidays is a really good time to get people to come to church because everybody feels good. Have you noticed that? Everybody feels good. The lights are on in the city. Even if it's in November, the lights are on. Everybody just feels good. They're in a pretty good mood. They're shopping. They're buying stuff. They're excited about what they're going to get. And so you say, hey, why don't you come to church with me? They're like, eh, that's when Jesus was born. Sure, I'll go. So if you ask them, they'll probably come. Um, from now to the end of the year, and then even at the beginning of the year, people are making all these resolutions, and usually one of their resolutions is, I probably should go to church more. So you're in, I'm telling you all this because if you're scared to invite people to church, you're in a window of about three or four months where eight out of, time, eight out of ten times you ask somebody to go, they're going to say yes. That's pretty good. Like, I, I was a terrible baseball player. I played Little League for one year, and my batting average was zero. I got on base one time, and it was because I was so frustrated, I just threw myself in front of the ball and got hit so I could get on first base. I was terrible. But if I knew that every time, if I, if I knew eight out of ten times I swung, I'm going to get on base, I'm swinging a lot more, okay? So you're in this perfect time of the year to ask people to come with you to church, and they're probably going to say yes. So ask them. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Like a Child starts the first Sunday after Thanksgiving, um, November the 30th, and then to start the first of the year, because people are going to feel very overwhelmed, right, after Christmas? Is that how you feel? Because, well, sometime in January when the bills come for Christmas, people are like, oh. So we're going to do a series called The Helper, because that's what people need, right? Like, I need some help. So we're going to do a series called The Helper, first of the year. Two really good opportunities to invite people to come to church. All right, that was a really long ad. You're like, just shut up and end this one. Just end this series before we start talking about the next ones. I'm just excited. That's all it is. Okay, we are family. We've been, um, for this is the sixth week. Here's what we've learned. Here's the quick recap. We have learned that as a family, we are accepted, connected, expected, and corrected. That means that you have a place. It means that you have power. It means that you have purpose. It means that you have perspective. Do you remember all that? Now you do because I just told you, right? Um, we began the series talking about how families can be awkward and amazing all at the same time. Remember? We showed you some pictures. They can be awkward. They can be amazing. And I'd have to say probably after six weeks, we're even more convinced of that, aren't we? Families are amazing, but they can be awkward. Um, and we found out that it's not any different in God's family. I mean, God's family is better than natural families because there's redemption involved. But what we found is that God's family operates a lot like your family and my family for better or for worse. Um, so this last week, maybe more than any of the other weeks, the struggles that we faced in our natural families is, is really going to impact how we see God's family. Last week was a great example. 
<laughs> I love what I heard. These are the reports I heard from last week. These are things that pastors hear. Last week, we talked about family means we're corrected, right? So we talked about, um, hey, you know, sometimes we don't meet the expectations. We fail. And so that's when our parents normally would give us the finger, right? Remember the finger? But God doesn't give the finger, right? So man uses correction to shame us, but God uses correction to frame us because he's making us into a masterpiece. Well, here's, I loved hearing about community groups last week because what people were like, I don't know. I don't know if I, don't know if I like that. You know, people, like, they, they go, oh, no, you didn't, right? It's like, that was kind of the attitude last week. It was like, oh, no, he didn't go there. He did not just say that the church is going to correct me. And I love that we kind of wrestle with some of that. And the reason is because many of us don't know what it's like to really be corrected biblically. And this morning, I'm going to give you one last word. And for some of you, it's going to be like, I don't know, because that doesn't match what I really experienced in my family. But it's still true in God's family. Okay, Here, here's the word this week. This week, we're going to find that, that family means we're protected. It means that we have peace. Family means that we're protected. It means that we have peace. Now, some of us did not experience this in our families. Some of us were left on our own to fend for ourselves. Um, I've, I've got a sister that we adopted, and she still tells stories at eight years old, taking care of her brothers, eating dog food, because her mom walked away and did not come back. So I know that if she was sitting here right now and she heard me say family means that we're protected, she'd kind of be like, oh, no, he didn't, because that's not true. It was not her experience. And so I understand it can be a little bit tough, right? But it is still true in God's family. Family means that we're protected, and it gives us peace. That's the full family dynamic. Here's why that's so important. Everything we've talked about to this point describes a process, doesn't it? Like we talked about, you don't go from two years old to 18 years old overnight. It happens gradually. Everything's a process. We feel more accepted over time. Like you're not going to, you'll walk in, here's what people say about the gathering. They'll walk in on their first Sunday and here's what they'll say, I love this place. I feel so welcome here. It's like there's just something in the atmosphere that I just love. But from that first moment to when you're really plugged in, there's still like, Huh, it doesn't feel like, like today didn't feel like the first day. I'm still finding my way. And it just takes time. It's a process. Being connected to people, being connected to God's power, it's all a process. And here's why today is so important. Because if family means that we're protected, it means that there's this safe environment where we can go through periods of our lives that we kind of wish we could forget. The 80s are a good example. Right? I brought some, there's some pictures I've got to show you this morning. Um, awkward family pictures, but from the 80s. Like these are families that got together in the 80s to take family portraits and they actually look like this. And my guess is these families would love to take these back, maybe not go through this. I mean, what family says my mom's an aerobic instructor and we're going to get a picture dressed as aerobics. This is a crazy picture. I'm not sure if I'm scared about the spiked hair or the flower shirt. These are awkward family pictures. Maybe that was your family. I don't, I don't know. Where the guys had bigger hair than the women. So let's just leave it there for a second. We want to make sure we really digest this entire picture. You've got, you've got a mullet in front and a bullet in the back. What, what? I want a bowl cut, but I want to be cool too. Like it didn't work, did it? Right? Then we have a few more. Futurama, family Futurama, I don't, I don't know what that is. 
strange. Um, now, if this was ever you, okay, because I remember when this fad was in, right? Because when this fad was in, and I don't mean the, the people on the left, but the, the guy in the middle with the, the, the awesome, cool mesh Florida half shirt, when that style was in, every guy was pretty sure he could pull it off. Maybe you were that guy. I was that guy. I was probably like as skinny as that pole, but I felt like if I put on a half mesh shirt, I had no belly hair at all, so I was not really a man. I felt like if I put that on, I suddenly looked like the Hulk, right? And the pulled up socks is just a nice finishing touch. Like you don't expect a man to dress like that if he can grow a mustache like that, but he did. Do we have, a, I think maybe have a few more. I just don't even know what to say about that. I have no words for that one. That's scary. Can I just tell you this? As a family of God, knowing you and knowing me, that there will be times in your growing that you're going to go through phases like that. You're not going to see it. As quickly as we are. And you're going to see it a lot quicker in my life than I'm going to see it in my own life. But all of us will go through stages like that. Where we just look silly. And the question is, how do we get through that, right? And the answer from God is, man, if you're in the family, you're protected. You're protected enough that you can go through the 80s, spiritually speaking, and still be in the family. Which is good news. Family means that we're protected. Here's your big idea. I'm going to give it to you right up front. Because if we're protected, then that means we have time to mature, right? We've got time to grow up as a family. So here's your big idea. Security is the soil of maturity. Security is the soil of maturity. (laughs) Here's three reasons why we can feel secure and be protected in God's family. Here's number one. We're protected by the unseen army of God. Now this, again, this is if you're in the family of God. If you're not a Christian, if you're just in church this morning, you're kind of hearing us talk, you've been with us for a little bit, you kind of like it, you're not sure about the Jesus thing, but you really love orange and so you're hanging out at the gathering. These, I want these to apply to you, but they do not. Okay, I just got to be honest with you right up front. This is for the family of God. Like, you know, there's certain things. If you're in my family, there's certain things that you'll get as one of my children that you wouldn't get if you're not my child. Like the ability to hear me snore at night. You know, that's something other kids don't get, but my kids get that, right? The chance to ride in the deer dent car. Not every kid gets that opportunity, but my kids do. Um, there's just certain, ben- there's certain benefits to being in the family. And so these are benefits to Christians, okay? I-, I want them to be for everybody, but they're not. They're for people that are in the family of God. And number one is that if you're in the family of God, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're a kid, whether you're an adult, whether you're an adult kid, we've talked about that, the people that are still living at, well, spiritually with their moms and need to be kind of booted out so they can grow, no matter where you are on your journey, you are protected by an unseen army of God. I don't want to sound weird. I don't want to sound spooky. But the truth of the matter is right now in this room, you are surrounded by an army that you cannot see. There's this really curious story in 2 Kings chapter 6 about Elisha. 
he was one of the prophets in the Old Testament, and he had a servant. And so his, his, Elisha and his servant, they're going to get ambushed. So all these, these people, here's basically what's happening. Every time a king would try to surprise his enemy, his enemy knew that the king was coming with his army. And so finally the king's like, what is going on here? And one of his guys is like, dude, it's Elisha. Like, he literally tells people what you think about in your bedroom. Now, I don't want to freak you out yet, okay? But if, if what you think about in your bedroom, if what you whisper in your bedroom was suddenly made public to people, I mean, how are you feeling on the comfort level right now? Like, they'd be like, that, that pastor at the gathering, dude has gas all the time. All the time. Like, he talks in his sleep and says weird stuff. I he would hear, they'd hear about conversations that Wendy and I have. I mean, it's like, that's happening in this king's life. He's in a secret place making plans so he can surprise his enemy. And when he gets there, his enemy knows. And because, he knows because Elisha's been telling him. God's telling Elisha. Elisha's telling them. And so when the king gets his army there, tiptoes up, his enemy's kind of like, what took so long? We've been waiting. And the king got tired of that. So the king says to his, his army, find out where Elisha is right now. And go take care of them. So Elisha and his servant are like on a camp out. They're hanging out in this little hut. In the morning, Elisha's hanging out with God. And his servant goes outside. I'm just going to picture he goes out with some coffee. Just kind of check out the sunset, sunrise. And he's just sipping his coffee. He looks up and he sees every, in every direction. He sees his, his enemy. Like the army's everywhere. And in that moment, he did what we would have done. He wets his pants. And he runs back into his, his boss. He's like, Elisha, man, like they're everywhere. Like they're, they're are everywhere. They're here to kill us. And Elisha's just like, dude, chill. Just chill. Relax. Like, you know, they're going to they're kill us. And Elisha says something really, really strange. He says to his servant, no, 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 no. The people who are for us are a lot more than the people who are against us. I can kind of picture Elisha's servant peeking out the window going, uh, dude, no, they're not. I don't know what you're smoking right now, but there's only people out there that want to harm us. And so the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 6 that Elisha prayed that the eyes of his servant would be opened so that he could see. And that God opened the eyes of his servant and he saw suddenly what had been an unseen army that was surrounding the seen army. And they were far greater than the ones that were against him. You're surrounded. You're protected by an unseen army. I mean, when we stepped into the family of God, we stepped into this reality. There is an unseen army that will always be bigger and more powerful than any seen enemy. And you will see the enemy first. It's the way it works. But there is an unseen army that is always bigger, always more powerful than any enemy that we can see, always. If we could see that army right now protecting us, how would that change what we do? How would it change the way that we act? We'd be a lot less afraid. I, I heard a story about a missionary. They were eating dinner over in the country where they were, they were serving Jesus. They're eating this dinner. And when the dinner was over, if you ever had like a two-year-old kid, we just talked about how Laney was an escape artist, right? They're walking out of the bistro, and the two-year-old ran ahead of them into, into traffic and got punted by a car. 
Literally, the father is the person I heard this from, and he's telling the story about how the, the child runs away, and he's like calling for his child, and before he can get to his child, his child runs out into traffic, and a car hits the two-year-old, and the dad sees the two-year-old go up in the air and come down. He didn't see the two-year-old land because he landed on the other side of the car. But all the dad's thinking is, oh, God, oh, God, there's no way this is good. And when he walked around the car, he saw his two-year-old just sitting on the ground laughing. I mean, almost like an unseen army of angels caught the baby and just placed it there. And we're surrounded. Just because we can't see it doesn't make it less real. In the family of God, you are protected. You are surrounded by an unseen army. Here's just a few scriptures that can give us even more confidence. Psalm 34, 7. says that God encamps around his children. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Now look back at verse 4. Let's start there. Here's why David is writing this. He said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Why? Because we're protected. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. None of this finger stuff going on from last week. This poor man called. And the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles because the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. I don't know if we have any campers in the house, but the word encamps literally means that God pitches a tent in front of you. It means that when you're tired, when you're going through a struggle, and you just want to crawl into the camp, into the tent, get in your sleeping bag and zip it up all the way to the top and just hide from the world. It means that you can rest and you can sleep because just outside of where you are, God has pitched his tent to encamp around you. Man, talk about security. Just knowing that. Um, you can just jot down Psalm 125 too. Psalm 125 too. The writer just says that the Lord surrounds us like the mountains surround Jerusalem. I've never been to Jerusalem. God, I can't wait till I can go someday. But here's what I know about Jerusalem. If you stand in the middle of Jerusalem, no matter where you turn, all that you see are mountains. So when they read that, they were like, oh, like, you mean like that? Like how no matter what's coming at us, they can't get through because of that? That's what God does for me? That's the benefit of being the family of God. I don't care what's going on in your life. If you're in the family of God this morning, you're surrounded by an unseen army of God. Number two, you're protected by the unrelenting mercy of God. When I hear the word unrelenting, I have to be honest, um, I think of things that never stop, right? And they're not usually good. Bills, taxes, work right now for me the leaves are unrelenting a couple weekends a couple weekends ago when he was like you've got to go get rid of the leaves in the yard because if you don't our grass will never ever grow again it's just leaves um so i went out and i did i i got rid of all the leaves and mowed the grass and it was it looked beautiful until that night when we had the big storm come through and now my yard looks just like it did before our conversation now is why like, to me, doing the leaves is like making the bed. What is the point? <laughs> right? 
We're getting in the bed tonight again, so let's just leave it here. I know those, those pillows are beautiful, and we're going to put them on the pillow. They're going to be on the bed the right way, but no one's coming to our bedroom. We're not showing off our bedroom. Hey, come see the pillows on the bed. See how I arranged them today, and tonight they'll be on the floor, and tomorrow I'll put them back again. Come see it again. You'll be amazed. <laughs> Leaves are like that. They're unrelenting. Lamentations. Lamentations, chapter 3. Verses 22 and 23, they reveal something else that's unrelenting. And I love this. The mercy of God is unrelenting. And that's a good thing, not a bad thing, right? The mercy of God is unrelenting. Here's what it means. It says that every day the mercy of God is new. Every morning. So the security for us is this. No matter how bad today might be for all of us, no matter how much of a screw-up we might feel like today, in the morning, God has made a fresh, fresh batch of mercy. Like, we can start every day with a clean slate for one simple reason. God doesn't serve leftover mercy. I don't like leftovers, right? When he gets mad at us, she, she'll make this great meal, and it's so good. The only thing I like leftover is spaghetti, but like everything else, it's just, I, I'm just revealing how lazy I am. It just feels like a lot of effort to heat it up in the microwave. <laughs> so we don't, you know. And eventually, eventually something else gets put in front of it. And so it gets pushed further and further back into the fridge. And just then it's like you pull it out and go, oh, I bet that would have been good a week and a half ago. But you throw it away and you just move on. Leftovers, not really my thing. It's not God's thing either. He doesn't look at anybody in his family and say, you know what, I'm tired of you, I'm tired of how you keep messing up, so you know what, today I'm not fixing mercy, deal with what you had from yesterday. God never serves leftover mercy, every day, like he's more faithful than that Hardy's person who apparently does fresh batch biscuits every day, I don't think it's true, but they say it, like God's more faithful than that, he's always preparing a fresh batch of mercy. Every single morning, he is unrelenting in how much he loves us. Romans 8, 38-39, you can read it. Paul just lists all these things that we think can separate us from the love of God. And he says at the end, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Of God, I was reading about a story with Rick Warren was talking to somebody in his church. The man walked up to me. He said, "This man, I just I can't stop this one sin in my life. I just can't stop. Like, what is wrong with me?" And Rick Rick Warren's like, "What do you think you need to do?" And the guy said, "The classic answer." He goes, "I think I just need to love Jesus more. I just need, I've got to, I just need to love God more." And here's what Rick Warren said. Great stuff. I'm going to memorize it so I can use it whenever you ask me that question. He said, "This that's not your problem." Your problem is not that you don't love God enough. Your problem is that you don't understand how much God loves you. He is unrelenting. And he loves us. His mercy new every morning. When we understand the unrelenting love and mercy of God, we find the security of his protection. John 10.10 10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and it is the unrelenting mercy of God that keeps that from happening. Jot this down. I'll put it on the website so you can tweet it this week. The only way Satan can rob us 
is by convincing us that God doesn't love us. That's the only way. The only way some guy's ever going to walk into my daughter's life and steal from her is if she has become convinced that her father does not love her, which will never happen, right? Because we talk about it all the time. We sing together. We laugh together. We dance together. We walk together. Last night we walked in the cotton field together. I mean, we just do all kinds of stuff. And I'm always telling her, you're amazing. Like, you're my favorite daughter. Only daughter. But still, if I had more, you'd be my favorite daughter, right? Like the, but the minute that she starts to go, does my dad really love me? Any old redneck jerk can slip into her life and say, well, I'll love you, baby. But see, she's going to be so full of the love that I have for her that when one of those guys says that, she's going to go, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to haul off and hit you. And I can do that because Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatever I find to do with my hand, do with all my might. <laughs> Bam! Right? The only way that Satan can rob from us is to convince us that God doesn't love us. And so God, because he's so unrelenting in his mercy, so unrelenting in his love, every day whips up a fresh batch. You cannot out the love of God. It's not possible. He's always preparing more mercy. He will never run out. Here's the last one. We're protected by the unmovable. It is a word. I looked it up. We're protected by the unmovable family of God. Now, this is going to be the one that we struggle with probably the most because we're in the South, right? And so when I say the unmovable family of God, you start going, that's not true because people like church hop all the time. Right, I get it. It's hard to deal with. But the way that God designed it was that we wouldn't do that. The way that God designed it was that we would be planted, permanent, unmovable. Ephesians chapter 3, we, we read this one a lot. He says this, starting in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father, Ephesians 3.14, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, unmovable, that when we're in that place that we would have the power together with all the saints, together with the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I love what Paul's saying here. He's saying, look, man, be so unmovable that you would be planted, that you would be rooted, that you would be grounded so that you can be the most full you could ever be. We talked about John 10.10. 10. And I read you the first part. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But, and that's a big but. We love big buts, right? And I cannot lie. Thank you so much. Thank you. We love big butts. And this is the biggest butt in the Bible. I love it. I came to steal, control, but 
Jesus said, I came that they might have life and life to the full. What did Paul just write here? He said, when we're grounded, when we're planted, when we are unmovable, we will have the power to know the love of God in such a way that we will be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Sounds a lot like John 10.10. I've come to give you life and life to the full. The way you get life to the full, man, is you get planted in a family that's got your back. Man, you are protected by the unmovable family of God. That kind of, um, just this band of brothers mentality in the church, that's what creates unbreakable unity. It's one of our core values. Like in the seat in front of you, there's a thing, a rat card that says, at our core. You pull that out and Put on some really good glasses because the print's really small. But when you're ready to read it, you know, you'll see one of our core values is unbreakable unity. And that's, the, that's God's desire. Do we do it well all the time? No. But how do we have the freedom to work that out? Because we are protected in the family of God. And it gives us peace so that we can grow. Knowing that we have each other's backs Allows us to feel protected, secure. And security is the soil of maturity. I found an interesting study this week. They, they, they interviewed 6,000 families in Metro Boston. And it was, a, it was about housing, secure housing. And what they found was that it's in Boston, if families moved a lot, if they moved more than two times in a year... If they had children four years old and younger, those children were like 43% more likely to need to go to the hospital that year. So all these like, just, just as something as simple as, we're not quite home yet, we're not quite secure yet, we're still trying, we're not, eh, the kids don't feel secure and the kids can't really mature. They don't grow as well. There's something about, we're home. You're safe. You're secure. You kind of unpack your bags. Like when we get home from vacation, we don't do the laundry right away. Do you? We just like throw the bags down and go, ah. Sometimes we just want to leave the bags in the car. Just go inside and sit down on the couch. We'll get those bags next week. You're home. You're just home. It feels good to be home. Man, you're protected in a family. In a family, you're safe. You're secure. You're not moving all around every other month because I like this or that or don't like this or that. You're just, boom. It's permanent. And when that happens, we begin to grow. We begin to mature. I need to be totally honest with you and say that I have a terrible ending. Um, I wanted to have a really good ending. You know, pastors should have good endings, right? Like we should, um, I don't mean like split ends. I mean like the end of the message and the end of the series, right? We should have these good endings. And, and I just was like, I don't have one. I wanted, I wanted to do this. I wanted to, to wow you this morning with a, a long list of practical things. Like practical ways that being in the family can change your life forever. And I'll make, like have seven of them and write a book and smile big and sell lots of copies. I don't have that. I don't have a long list of those. I've just got one. When we know that we're protected, when we know that we have peace, when we know that being in the family of God means that we have room to grow safely 
It means that we have the freedom to work things out, and it means that we have the freedom to just be family. And then I realized, in God's beautiful timing, because I'm not smart enough to figure this out, that we're wrapping up the We Are Family series on Veterans Day weekend. Like, I just preached to you about being protected, and Tuesday, everything's going to shut down in our country so we can celebrate the people who protect us. I wish I could tell you that we planned that out, but we didn't, because we're not that smart. But here's what, here's the beauty of this. Veterans are the men and the women who have done for our country what God's army, what God's mercy, and what God's family does for us. They protect us so that as a family, a country, we can actually mature. Now, some would argue that we're not maturing, and, you know, whatever. We had the elections, and maybe your person won, maybe they didn't. I don't know, but I do know this, that there's a lot of brave men and women who protect our country so that our family can work that stuff out. And God's family is no different. So here's how we're going to end this. It's so easy to forget what's been done for us. One, by veterans, naturally, because we can see that. And two, by God, who we can't always see and don't always think about. It's so easy to forget what they've done. So we're going to end this morning with a short video. And then I'm going to come back up, and we're just going to respond at the end of the video to what God's done for us as families. Is that cool? All right, here we go. Do we have any veterans here this morning? Just stand up so we can say thank you to you. You can be seated. Just say this to you. If Jesus could walk in here today and look at a family, he would say this, I fought for you, and I would do it again. There's an army that you cannot see that fights for you. Even our country, as jacked up as our country is, recognizes the power of that, enough to take a day and honor an army that we cannot see. They are miles away that are protecting us so that we can be free and grow as a family. How much more on a spiritual level are we protected by God's unseen army? Are we protected by mercy? Are we protected by family so that we have the freedom to grow. And my prayer through this entire series has been this. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I want all of you to go to the next Discover the Gathering, which means we have a really empty 9 o'clock service, right? But I want all of you to say, this is my home. This is my spiritual home. This church, the gathering, is where I'm putting my roots down. This is my place. These are my people. I've got their back and they've got my back. That's what we want. But even more than that, 
I want you to see the benefit of being in the family of God. Like, you've got an army that's got your back. You are protected. And because you're protected, you've got all the freedom you need to grow. Security is the soil of maturity. And when you know that you're safe, when you know that you can go to community group and stand up and say, I need to get out of here for a few minutes because I don't know if I like where this is headed. You have found your home. That happens all the time. And you will never have leaders that look at you and go, well, that's not Christian. You can't act like that. No, because we're safe here. We just are who we are. And we trust that God is going to mature us. And he will give us life to the full. You want to be full of the measure of God? You want to be as full of Jesus as you can get? Man, plant your roots in soil that is safe and allows you to grow.